nice to see both of you. Thank you for descending to the level of club from the rarefied atmosphere of tour and the slam podcast. This time yesterday, we were uh, debating the nuances of um, global golf tours, Steve. Just better be good. Listen, I'm a salt of the earth kind of guy. This is where it's really at. We're going to talk about visitors. And we're going to talk about yeah. members a bit as well. Um, there was a very interesting letter in the Times from a hundred years ago, um, and it was a it was a a visitor who'd been to some seaside golf course, um, and he'd obviously had a very bad experience. Um, and he very eloquently spoke about it in that way that people in the 1920s did, and then referred to himself as yours, low handicap. Quite like the way that people can get on a rant, but not be so angry with which to identify themselves. But his general point, I mean, you can read this letter on the Times if you wish. I'll try and find a link and put it there. But his his general point was that visitors are treated abominably at golf courses 100 years ago. He said, members speak of them with disrespect. Look at them with arrogance in the dining room. Sit on the newspapers in the smoking room rather than allow them to read them. And so on and so forth. And talks about the appalling frankness. What he's saying is that we're at, we're debating an issue that is a hundred years old. Well, there are some things, Tom, in golf that are timeless, aren't there? That just carry on through the decades. I don't think that's really changed much. Do you? I think it depends what, what club you go to. This guy did this, did this guy also sign himself off as a low handicapper. <laughs> if you're he a low that. handicapper, it's fine to complain about anything because you're like good at golf. That's how it, I think that's how people think it works. I mean, what have we got? We've got a plus two and a plus one here. It's and I can I can slum it for the mid-handicappers. It's nice to know that the humble brag was still in effect 100 years ago. I play off 0.4 and <laughs> I've had a very good experience. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. I, I just wonder, though, I mean, um, so I've seen this from both sides of the coin. Obviously, I, I, I get the opportunity to play a lot of golf courses. Sometimes, quite a lot of time, actually, I'll mystery shop because I just quite like going down and having a round of golf and not have to worry about doing any work. But I'm also a member of a golf club, so I, I think I can see it from both sides. I think both of you two are uniquely qualified, to, not uniquely, you're qualified to do that as well. Has anyone played more golf courses than you, Tom? Maybe Dan, maybe Dan Murphy. Well, Dan, yeah. Dan, who is currently hammering things into my team's chat as like prompts for stuff for me to say in this discussion. Like that's what we help with. Like, it's incredible. It's like, what do I need? Diet advice? Yes. What I don't need? Some more golf opinions rubbing down my throat. Incredible. Dan, you know you could just speak uh, up. I know you could just come on, Dan. <laughs> it's um, it's 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 pretty weird, isn't it? That you're in a in a business, I guess, that relies on the satisfaction of its customers be their members or guests that were still having to say why is the experience so often so poor um but i guess we we ought to start by talking about some positives right like we all get we're all members of golf clubs we all get quite a lot out of that membership so we presume you have some good experiences no as members well, yeah experience is fantastic isn't it um pay a yearly fee or however you pay it um play as much golf as you like I think Hannah's going to disagree with me at some point. Play, play whenever you like, if you're a bloke. 
Yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is true. But generally, the, the membership experience is is positive, isn't it? That's why people become members of golf clubs. The flexibility in being a member that it just isn't there for a visitor, is there? For a start. Um, well, there's, I guess there's flexibility in some things. There's not. There's there's very little flexibility in terms of what you can wear. Um, there's very little flexibility in terms of when you can get food at the golf club to suit you. Um, there's very little flexibility in when you can play competitive golf. That's pretty ring fenced on often not convenient times. Um, there's little flexibility in what you can do at a golf club. You can play golf and you can have a pint and very little else. Um, oh, we're accentuating not, the positives here, Tom. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure there's a huge amount of um, innovation happened in the membership product in the main at most golf clubs. Well, we've got flexible membership now, haven't we? We've got innumerable different membership categories for people of all ages. We've got points membership now. We've got clubs that are ditching full year fees and going to sort of hybrid fees where they've got like a half annual fee and then a pay per round kind of deal so I mean there is there are some things happening aren't there yeah but I think a lot of those innovations um speak to uh, a more convenient product for the non-member um and that, so you're chapping the times um I think that things have moved on a little bit since then um so if I think back to when I was a kid um and the amount of away golf we played then um going playing a course that, that was not your own was like a real rarity and you had to often produce like a handicap certificate so you might have gone and played in a b-team match away or an a-league match away or whatever um but that sort of stuff was like a treat and definitely not the norm nowadays playing away golf for all golfers is, is a much more casual affair there's no letters from secretaries there's no handicap certificates um you can often book online you can often book on the day that you play so the the product has moved on to be much more flexible for the for the um, nomadic non-member golfer, I would say, um, and I would argue that that leaves the member sort of scratching their head about what why they're bothering. Anna, you have to argue now, otherwise that's it. It's a pretty short podcast. I know that. I was just thinking it is quite true. How do I argue against that? <laughs> well, I've got I have got one of golf's finest minds feeding me lines here in my team chat. So, well. I mean, the main the main thing I wanted to get to, or the point of this Times letter, was this idea that a century ago visitors were treated as undesirable interlopers, is is what he said. And has that changed really in a century? I mean, do do members still enjoy seeing visitors on their golf course? Um, are visitors still treated in the same way, perhaps that that members are? I mean, I, I mean, I I've had some very variable experiences as a visitor. It, it depends where you go, of course. But I mean, I I always talk about one golf club that I went to where I was told I had to go into the visitors locker room I mean like visitors locker room and members locker rooms that's a thing on its own but um, I had to go into the visitors locker room and the visitors locker room was essentially a shoebox of a room where the golf club had dumped all the things that they couldn't find anything else to store I mean there were like literally pallets in there and old pictures that they'd taken off the walls and they didn't have anywhere else to put them so they just stuck them in there so I'm, I'm in the smallest room you've ever seen trying to get changed for a round of golf that I've paid for on that golf course while basically changing around with all the rest of the golf club's crap around me. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty poor experience, isn't it? 
Which you find nice. out that some golf clubs don't even have women's locker rooms. Come on. I'm not naming them on the podcast. That is a Come thing. On. That is a thing. I think it depends so think- massively on the type of golf course you go to. Like there's some clubs that are really open with it and they've accepted like they need that revenue to like make the membership work how they want to. And there's other places who just think, well, I'd rather pay a bit more and not have them on my golf course and have it accessible at all times to me because I'm a member. And like, I, I think that just changes depending on where you go. Yeah, apart from I think that those places that you just described where they're saying we're primarily a members club are, are few and far between. Um, so I think it, the COVID sort of blip aside, um, the general trend in golf in the last uh, 20 years has seen a lot of committees and a lot of uh, boards saying, how are we going to raise an extra 50 grand, 100 grand a year? Um, often the answer they come to is visitors. Um, and then there's not much um, acknowledgement paid to the investment required to make sure those visitors have a good time. Um, the amount they charge those visitors at, um in terms of a rate uh, and the impact on member experience. So I think that clubs have kind of grabbed at visitor income because they've been forced to do um, for commercial reasons. Um, and that's impacted on both visitor experience, but also member experience. And a lot of golf clubs you're left with a kind of very confused mess about whether their customer is their member or their visitor. Do you think that visitors got a raw deal? out of the participation boom following the pandemic because obviously golf clubs were like inundated with players who wanted to join so they said great come on board and they established waiting lists but you've got members and your existing new members and your existing membership that want to play a lot more because that for a while was all you could do so they restrict the number of visitors anyway because you've got to keep your membership happy and then as well as that some golf clubs decided well how can we keep our visitor revenue constant while having fewer visitors because we need to keep our members happy? And the answer to that was, well, we'll put the visitor prices up a lot in some respects. So, I mean, do visitors get a visitors had a raw deal out of the pandemic boom? Well, I mean, there was a lot of time at Huddersfield where visitors weren't allowed off the back of the pandemic just because we had so many members who wanted to be on the golf course and couldn't do anything else like but I guess those members have also appeared to keep you going through the whole pandemic so to say like well now visitors have choice over you is also not really fair but I mean yeah prices have definitely gone up massively the point like there's there's lots of places where I remember or I might have gone played before where I just would not I wouldn't pay the price so I'm not sure how much like more casual golfers would do. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that visitors have had a raw a raw deal. Um, I think that there's the the boom through COVID is is going to end up being a missed opportunity for golf clubs because people have joined on flexible membership schemes or short term deals or um, they joined without paying a joining fee. Um, and clubs, I think, would if they'd taken a view where they had an awful lot of demand, people couldn't get on golf courses. Very difficult to do at the time, um, but taking a longer term view and said, actually, we're going to have a joining fee. We're going to make this, 
we're going to make this product as valuable as possible um so people are here for the the medium term not just a year or two um then we'd have a much more chance of a, of a sort of sustainable future for golf and i think now we're kind of left in a very odd place where a lot of these players who come to the game might move away as quickly as they came because of cost of living and be, because there's no you know, there's no there's no um financial reason for them to stay playing it's a tricky balance for clubs i suppose isn't it i, I don't want to sound like i was hammering on a golf clubs because visitor revenues a vital part of their income stream isn't it um and you're sort of caught between two stools a little bit if you've got a massively inflated playing membership and the new members all want to play um because that's what we do now don't we we don't join a golf club anymore and put the clubs away in october and take them out again in april i mean people play all year round now yeah so you've got a massively inflated playing membership tea times are squeezed and yet you still you still need that visitor revenue because it's a vital part of what you do i suppose the, one of the one of the few things available to you is to increase the fees but for the yeah. casual golfer golf's definitely got more expensive hasn't it yeah 100 percent. but i feel like we're sort of dusting off some pre-pandemic debates these these sorts of things all went away right and but i think they're going to be back quickly um and people are going to be questioning the value of stuff like golf club memberships which is the the point i was trying to make at the start is that if you if you're paying um, 500, 1,000 pounds, 2,000 pounds a year to be a member of a golf club, then you want quite a lot for that. You want that to be a place that suits you. Um, you want to be able to turn up when you want. You want to be able to go there and work. You want to be able to go there and get a bite to eat. You want to be able to take your kids. You might want to be able to use the gym there. Like the, there's an awful lot of things that go into the way that a modern life works, that the golf club is not somewhere you get dressed up to go to twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. That's when you take your golf. It's something you want to use as a facility. And that, I think, in lots of cases is still not the case. There's nothing more annoying than going to the golf club after work and being like, I would happily pay for food now and everything's just shut. Like, yeah. Why Why does everything shut so early at a golf club? Well, turning up, turning up in your jeans to a few balls and then standing there in your waterproof bottoms because you don't want to get collars. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Depends on the club, I suppose, doesn't it? You'd be warmly welcome at some clubs, even wearing your jeans. Time. Well, I think I mean that is an important point to make, isn't it? That um, uh, Hannah and I are both members at, um, well, you are as well at, at kind of traditional private members clubs, right? Um, um, but they are the majority still. Is is also I think is also a fact. Um, I was so, on the practice ground the other day, and one of the other like guys my age came up and he was just wearing like a normal t-shirt and then golf shorts and it was like 25 degrees and he put it had to put a golf jumper on because he was like I don't want to hit balls not in a golf shirt because someone's gonna tell me off and I was like for god's sake just take it off like no one cares yeah it's like got, there's always gonna be a handful of people who do it's just really I got, stupid I got absolutely hammered on Saturday so I had my new sounder golf clothes on which are very good but let's just say they're potentially the clothes for, of a younger man, and it didn't go unnoticed. Uh, it didn't go unnoticed at all, Woodley. Someone asked me if I come in my pajamas. <laughs> were, your, were your trousers like suspiciously Eric Van Royen type? Were they? Yeah, they were a bit like that. Yeah, you've got it. Yeah, which you know, I think I can carry it off, but apparently not. I think in answer to your question, Steve, I, don't, I think visitors have never had it so good. Like tee off times, play when you want, 
take your pick. I do think member perception to visitors is not great. Like they just don't want them to be there a lot of the time. But I think that's just like a breakdown of communication from like the top of the golf club and the committee and et cetera to the rest of the membership. Because I think a lot of the members think we don't need the visitors here. Like why are they here when we want to play? But they don't actually necessarily understand how much revenue they're bringing in and how much it would like affect their prices if that didn't happen. And they suddenly had to like top up that gap. It's a hundred percent. I mean, that is like absolute nail on the head stuff. It's like, who, who are all these people? Why are they clutching up my golf course? It's like, okay, you, good point. We're going to put your fees up 20%. Well, we don't want that. Don't do that. Especially as golf club fees are probably going to go up this year. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I would say that, that the sort of the man in the times probably had a point a hundred years ago. I think if that same man was here now with his low handicap, he'd be writing and saying, why am I, a mem- why do I bother being a member of a golf club? What's the point? Oh, you're going to get on an iGolf thing now, aren't you? <clears throat> We're gonna I, played move- with an I played with an iGolfer on Saturday in Gents Invitation. He was, he was fine. He was like pretty normal. He used his knife and fork correctly. <laughs> Had his hat on the right way around. Spoke English. He was amazing. His handicap was bona fide. Everything's good. Well, actually, his handicap was not bona fide at all. He played uh, two qualifying rounds and he was off 12. Why are these people always off 12? Right? Why is that the handicap of choice if you're really much better than that? Uh, I reckon he was carrying his driver about 270. Uh, so, yeah, he was pretty warm off 12, should we say. Like you don't understand now, Tom. I mean, if just a casual look on Twitter will tell you that 270 is short these days. Everyone drives yeah. in 300 yards now. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, yeah, I golfers. So we run a, a consumer events, right, where I golfers play, and a lot of golf clubs are not le- are not allowing I golfers to play in their open competitions. Um, and this is this is a very sort of strange thing, isn't it? Because these same golf clubs will welcome visitors with open arms, but they won't welcome an iGolf to play in their open competitions. It's quite odd thinking, isn't it? It's really interesting as well, because I actually think that um, the iGolfers' handicaps are probably much more regulated than your average golf club handicap visit. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to um, dump on handicap committees here, but some are more proactive than others. I think that I think that's fair to say. I mean, what you've got at iGolf though is you've got a pretty stringent handicap committee that's monitored by the governing body, that's basically looking at all of these players and all of these handicaps and taking action where they are thinking it to be appropriate. I mean, I actually think, contrary to what actually a lot of golf clubs might think about the handicappers handicaps of iGolfers, they're probably they're probably better. Um, the many that you'll see out there just because of the level of scrutiny that's placed upon them. Also, they're playing at more courses. Like, there's nothing worse than someone who has a home club that's, like, relatively easy. They just put loads of rounds in there, or the opposite, really hard. And then the handicap doesn't actually really reflect their golf. It just reflects, like, that one golf course they play at. Whereas if you're playing on iGolf and you go around everywhere, like, your hand is going to be a much more reflective of, like, your actual performance than otherwise i i think i think that's right and like i golf is definitely much more in the habit of logging every round they play whereas members i think still sort of treating the chastity of competition is when you 
submit a card for handicap. So I think over time, Anna's right that their their scores will be much more reflective of their ability. Um, and Steve, you're like what you're saying is right. It's like one giant golf club in itself. It's got its own handicap committee. They can pull people on general play. I was hearing the other day from Richard Flint. Um, so I think that is that is another in terms of our debate about who has the better deal. It's another blurring of the lines, isn't it? Like what's what's the difference really between a member and a non-member? Increasingly, increasingly little. So what what do you think it is that make, keeps us members of golf clubs, Steve? You're always a member of golf club. You're not a member of about four. I'm only a member of one at the moment. Thank you. But that, that, and that is the cost of living crisis, isn't it? Real. I've had to reduce <laughs> our golf club memberships from four to one. That is I, well, I only ever got up to three. Oh. Um, I did have three at one point. Um, now I'm down to one. Um, what keeps me a, go a golf club member? That's a difficult question um, to quantify it because it's a feeling, I think, as much as anything. I, there's like a feeling of belonging. I quite like um when you're at a golf club i i love to play competitive golf it's pretty much all i play i've never been much of a social golfer i just can't be bothered um when there's when there's nothing riding upon it um and still really but you know because of things that you say about i golf still really the the only way to play a seasons with the competitions is to be a member of a golf club that's ultimately it actually that's ultimately it. i mean if if the competitive if the competitive action disappeared from golf clubs, I probably wouldn't be a member of a golf club. I wouldn't see the point. I don't I don't go and play on a Saturday or on a Sunday if there's not a competition on. Just stay at home. I think mine's more for the convenience and like the lack of hassle. Like I know I can go and practice there all the time without having to go pay a range. I can go and like play part rounds after work in the evening if I want to. And not having to constantly think, oh well, I need to book this. X amount and I don't want to pay for a full round when I can know I can just go play seven holes now and I'm quite happy to do that when I'm not paying a full round like price for it yeah it's funny isn't it because a lot of these things are um actually I think what you're saying Hannah is probably the thing that's that is is hardest to replicate um through a virtual scheme so Steve and his I just want to play competitive rounds like that is possible under an iGolf scheme where you have effectively nomads who move around and playing lots of open events um, and I think that the, the sort of camaraderie that some people get from golf clubs like people to drink with people to go on trips with that's replicable as well because you can you have the concept of society golf which doesn't have to be wedded to a particular golf club but somewhere that you treat like a second home as you do with Fixby um, and I would have done what well, I do actually more with my golf club, somewhere you drop in and out of. That's that's more difficult to replicate, I think, without the concept of membership, which is why I sort of keep going back to this thing where I think that's how it's always been for golf club members. So the the, the people that we often rally against who are advocates of dress codes and formality and the way things are done at their club, I think that that's, I have sympathy with their views. I just think that the what a golf club means is moving on and that's the thing that needs to sort of shift because there is something in that sort of second home like there's a bloke at our golf club who reads the telegraph in front of the fire every day and that's how he treats it. he turns up at 10 o'clock gets his cup of coffee goes and sits in the same seat with the copy of the telegraph that the golf club order basically for him and if you're in his room or in his seat he's annoyed because he treats the golf club like a second home and i think it's very easy to poke fun at that but that is what 
I'm looking for in a membership. It's just I don't want to read the Telegraph. I want to um, go in my flip flops with my kids because that's what I want for my golf club. Um, so I think that 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 is the that is the nub of it to me is that people need to start to think perhaps the profile of member is moving on. Um, the people who are coming through to be the next committee members and all the rest of it are a different generation of people than the ones that have gone before. Um, and therefore the, the sort of the requirement that the golf club needs to fulfill has shifted slightly. I want to ask something that's slightly off topic, but it is still related because we could have more visitors as a result. But while you're both here, I think it's interesting to sort of speculate about the future. Um, the energy bills aren't as catastrophic as, well, they could still be. It depends how much you use, doesn't it? But um, we're not looking at 6,000 yet, maybe next year. Um, and golf clubs and businesses as a whole are going to actually get some support now for their uncapped um, tariffs. But still, uh, the reality is that energy bills are still going to be a lot, a lot, lot higher than they were 12 months ago. Everything's going up. Um, the price of everything and I assume that the price of golf club memberships will have to go up as well um, while some of their many of their customers are going to be losing money overall so is, is there a problem coming with golf club membership? Oh, massively yeah like it's it's yeah um, I don't actually know what happened with energy bills it's 250 pounds a month is it it's capped out or something unless you use more yeah so they can they cap the unit rate essentially um, so if you use a lot, you're still going to pay a lot. But I think, yeah, it's it's all of the cost of living impact is going to be really, really tough for all aspects of golf, isn't it? Because it's leisure time at the end of the day. It's um, not something that you have to do. So when people look at expenditure, it'd be one of the first things to go. I would have thought. Um, so I think that is going to that is going to create its own its own challenges. For lots and lots of golf clubs especially like can you imagine how much it must cost to heat fixby the size of that building <laughs> they, might, they might as well just hand out woolly jumpers at the door just put these on we're not heating it oh yeah i mean every golf club in the country right it's got a, golf, a clubhouse that's too big like that's just sort of like part of the dysfunction in it um but yeah, I think it's, I think, yeah, people, we're going to all going to start to say, well, what am I paying this money for? What am I getting from it? Um, and do, do I actually need it? Um, and that's going to be tricky. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, we might end up in a, in a very different place in a few years time. Um, and we'll get, well, I think we're on this track pre-COVID and I think we're about to get back on it pretty quick. I think it all links back to what Tom was saying before, like, if there's more stuff for you to do at the golf club and you can use it in different ways, you're going to find more value for that money than if the only thing you can do is go play golf there. The reason I ask this is because if if we see a reduction in golf club members, then obviously those people aren't going to just stop playing golf, are they? They're going to consume their golf in different ways, you know, whether that be iGolf, which in turn creates more visitors then, doesn't it, potentially? So the balance shifts once more. Yeah, but those people are not going to be playing as frequently, are they? No. Um, because of the, the same pressures on expenditure. It's difficult. It's really difficult. And I think that, like I say, I think we're, we're basically back in 
the same debate we're having pre-COVID now in a sort of very uh, a much more expensive world that we're living in. Um, and that's that's tough. And I think it's the COVID blip is has not helped because it's perhaps not people off, off the pathway that they were or trying to create more attractive products. Let's go a bit jovial at the end then. Best place the two of you have ever been as a visitor? See, I reckon Hannah's going to say somewhere like where you get like a like a little bag with like teas and a and a yeah. bag tag. People love that shit, don't they? Teas and a bag tag. I used to collect bag tags and then have them like hanging off my bag, but then it, it was got really heavy, so I'd stop doing that. Have you seen that girl on Twitter who her whole Christmas tree is just like golf club bag tags instead of baubles? So, so good. Yeah. That's so. pretty good. Your bag like bit, one of those bridges, Tom, that have all those like padlocks on it, and eventually just collapses <laughs> under the weight of its own. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I reckon I'm looking for somewhere that like knows you come in, but it's like unfussy, and no one's trying to take my bag off me when I park my car. I get my own clubs out of my car. Uh, I don't have to go and like deal with anybody, so maybe I just have to deal with like a starter. I don't even I don't even have to go in the clubhouse. I just put my shoes on outside. I don't think anywhere exists like that. Uh, Ely is pretty good, I would say, in terms of that sort of experience. Like the the pro shop starter hut things like small right near the first tee. It's got an amazing clubhouse if you want to go in, but you don't have to do. In not the most welcoming clubhouse though. Okay. What's no women? Have I picked another no women <laughs> Last time we walked in there, my mum walked down this corridor and the guy, like, the, the, the secretary or whoever it was, literally looked like he was about to start hyperventilating. He's like, you can't walk down that corridor. It literally takes her this way to go back around into the same room. It was like, it took her longer to go the other way than to just walk to where she was going. Like, what what was the stress? Also, I my just... dad had to buy new socks in the uh, starters hut there because his socks were not not short enough or long enough. They were, like, in the middle. All right, scrub Ely then, forget that. I got stung by a wasp there as well last summer, which was bad. That does remind me of a person that I played with who was in golf media, actually, whose socks weren't good enough for the club we were playing at. And he, he ended up going to Sports Direct and walking around in a pair of knee-high white football socks. Very straight I'll tell you what was an amazing recent experience for me. I was in on holiday in Cornwall uh, last week or whatever, the week before, and I went and played in a men's open. Men's open, Hannah. They only allowed men to play in it. Uh, on a Saturday, so it was like, like a sort of traditionally a members only day, but it was an, that was when they had their open competition. It was 20 quid. 20 quid. Uh, and that was pretty incredible. Uh, so that was a good. I walked straight through the clubhouse in my golf shoes, registered in the clubhouse, which is right near the first tee. That was unfussy and just good. I like that. St Andrews is probably the best actually when you think about it. You just rock up, you've got your little stars hook next to whatever tee you're going to, and off you crack. Yeah, no, nowhere to hit balls. Yep, there's literally a massive driving range. You'd be like three miles away, famously. You just it's drive like there, warm up, and then drive to the tee. Well, yeah, that's really convenient. You just said you want to put your shoes on in the car park and walk to the first tee. Where, where, where are you warming up? 
Sorry, yeah, but I want to I want to be able to hit like twenty balls before him as well. Okay. Actually, Ganton's pretty good at this. That's yeah, got all the things Ganton. you need. Yeah. Starter. Ganton's dangerous. Yeah. Bad sock rule though. Sensational golf course though. Best yeah. Open I've ever played in was probably at Blair Gowry. That was a women's Open midweek, obviously. Yeah, one hour on a Tuesday morning, hopefully. <laughs> it was all day, actually, but it was very good. One of the things, I reckon, is that how differently things work in America, right? So now, when I, in America, private golf clubs are properly private, so you can't actually get on the property unless you're with a member. And that's, I think, what will happen here eventually. Uh, when I was on my honeymoon, uh, whenever it was, 10 or 11 years ago, we went to California and I played quite a bit of golf. And I met this random Australian guy at Pebble Beach who then sort of sponsored me around California and took me to play golf at a couple of places. We played golf at a place in the desert called The Palms, which was like stupidly um, private. He knew a member, so he gave me this guy's name. Uh, and then I got there and there was like security guy on the gate and he said who are you with and I gave him the guy's name and then you went in and I went to the bar and ordered myself breakfast and coffee and whatever else and went to pay and it's like no 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 you don't pay it all just goes on to Mr Member's tab exactly the same in the pro shop the member guy turns up when I'm on the putting green he said have you had everything you need and I've like got golf balls towel tea pegs uh breakfast all on this guy's tab so that's a proper experience isn't it that's not some fussy plonker giving you a bag tag and trying to park your car for you. That's like stuff you want, like food. Not sure I want to be paying for all your stuff though. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I know, yeah. I mean, it's, it only works, obviously, yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> want them to come to my golf club either. It's not getting anything back. If you had to do that every time you took someone to your golf club, you'd have a serious bill going. Yeah. So in Pretty conclusion, sad. Tom likes the experience where he can fill his boots and not have to pay for it. <laughs> but we all we all like double dipping on the free tea pegs, don't we? That is a thing. <laughs> Depends it's what type of tea peg they are. I should write about this. I mean, there's an etiquette in its own, isn't there, of just how many tea pegs you can take as a visitor? Many as you want, as long as the guy stood there doesn't see you. <laughs> now, what what's right? One handful or two? Or basically just tip it upside down into your bag. I'm afraid to say I've done all three. So what are we saying? saying then? Visitors have never had it so good? That yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Let, let, let us uh, turn this now to our dear listeners. Tell us what you think. Why not tweet us on our National Club unless, Golf channels? Visitors have never had it so good unless they're women. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast as well. Yeah, we need people to do that. Please subscribe to our podcast. And our, YouTube. And our YouTube. Let's not forget our YouTube. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Tom. Bye. Bye.